Hi, this is Dr. Tony Cooper, and this is Life Without Baggage, insights for personal wholeness for spirit, soul, and body. I'm a psychologist in private practice. I treat adults. However, this is not a substitute for medication or counseling. If you're having thoughts of harming yourself or another person, or if this material triggers you, please contact your doctor or a mental health specialist to help you with your concerns. So we're in part two of how to cultivate your spirit. I'm still talking with Vince Didato. I'm going to introduce him again in case you missed the first segment. He's the author of Awakening to the Goodness of God. He's a marriage and family therapist, the founder of the Didato Counseling Service, a public speaker, a licensed pastor, and he also happens to be my brother. You may have heard him on some of my videos on YouTube, and we've done several podcasts together on the topics of transitions and um, kind of growing in your faith. So this is part two. In the first section, we answered the questions, what exactly is your spirit and how is it different from your soul? Mm-hmm. Is there more than one spiritual realm we talked about? First, second, and third heaven, how the Bible describes that. Yeah. We started talking about how to worship from your spirit. And Vince, um, I use John 4. I'm going to read that. Let me put my glass. Okay. Because people might think, well, why does this even matter? Well, here's why. Besides all the reasons we talked about in the first (laughs) podcast. Okay. Hey, Jesus is talking to the woman, uh, the Samaritan woman. And maybe you saw that if you watched The Chosen. I I think there's uh, an episode with that. And Jesus says, you don't know what you are worshiping. Mm. He's pretty direct and blunt there. You know, not the the wishy-washy vanilla Jesus we usually (laughs) picture. We do know what we are worshiping. We worship what we have knowledge and understand. For after all, salvation comes from among the Jews. That would not have gone over well in that community. Mm, True. And then Jesus said, a time will come, however, indeed, it is already here. When the true genuine worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking just such people as these as his worshiper so it needs to come from our spirit and it needs to be based in the truth there's all kinds of spirituality that isn't based in the truth and that so that's true. why i keep pointing people back to the scriptures that this is, isn't just like ooh, this is fun this is interesting it's like <clears throat> god is seeking people who know how to worship him from the spirit and in truth And he has a protocol for how he wants things done. I'm just going to summarize. Last time we talked about different ways to like draw from your spirit and not be controlled by pressures in your own soul or pressures in the external world or from the second heaven. Although I don't think you need to get bogged down in that other than know there is a second heaven and It tries to aggravate everything bad. So uh, we talked about we can sing. We can, 
the Bible, uh, scriptures, hymns. We can meditate on God's word. Yes. We can pray. If you have a prayer language, you can use that. You can invite God's presence and just sit quietly. I like instrumental worship music. Before we go to sleep, we can ask the Lord to speak to us. And our spirits are awake while we're sleeping. And so sometimes the Lord can speak to us or encourage us through through our sleep or through an answer to a problem in a dream. Is there anything you want to add to that, Vince? No, I think that's a very good list. Mm -hmm. okay. So since I have a lot of videos on that, strengthening your spirit, harnessing the power of your spirit, understanding body, soul, and spirit, let's spend some time talking about uh, the fourth question that I said we would cover, which is how do you know what is God? And how do you know that this spiritual experience or teaching it isn't from God. It's spiritual, but it's not in spirit and in truth. What would you say about that? So that, again, is something that can be relatively easy or relatively difficult. So Paul said a number of times, first of all, test yourself. Look at yourself. See if what you are studying, what you are listening to is aligned with what you know about Jesus and what you know about the word of what you have been taught already. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul wrote to Timothy, test the workers among you. So it was like some of the people that you learn from or that you study from, you're to be testing them to make sure that the things they're teaching are consistent and aligned with what you know to be true. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, test the spirits and test all things carefully. So we know this, that this is something that we are to pay attention to. Most of us pay attention if we get serious about something, whether it's diet, whether it's exercise, whether it's getting a degree, we are going to pay attention. <laughs> we we are going to study diligently. We are not going to believe everything we hear off the internet right away or things that people tell us. We're going to look and consider these things carefully. So when you first think about, okay, what? how do you know? The first thing that I would want to say to people is, so you need to really commit yourself. Jesus even said the amount that you commit to study is the amount that will you will sow coming back to you. I call that the miracle grow formula. It's in <laughs> chapter four. <laughs> That's great. That's right. Because it's like people, uh, I used to listen to a singer called Kate Bush and she had a song called Sat in Your Lap. And the whole idea of that song was some say that knowledge is something that sat in your lap. Some say that knowledge is heaven. Some say that knowledge is hell. Uh, so the whole song was about, I have no idea what it is. And so the point is, unless we really commit to studying and paying attention and being diligent and pursuing uh, the path that that takes us on, uh, it will be easy to not stay on that path. So we want to consider just testing is going to require some energy and effort and some talking to people that we trust.
Okay. I want to read a scripture here, Vince. Okay. Again, I always read from the Amplified. This is in 2 Corinthians 11, start in verse 13. And he talks about teachers, like you were saying, that there's lots of people who want to teach you things, who want to talk about spirituality, make you feel good. Yeah. They're not all from God. For such men or women are false apostles, counterfeits, deceitful workmen, masquerading as special messengers of Christ, the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And it is no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So it's not surprising if his servants also masquerade as ministers of righteousness. So we, like you said, we have to be careful. This is not a new problem, but we can be deceived. And even Satan knows how to package things in a way that looks like light. Or people say they see an aura of light. That doesn't prove anything because mm -hmm. if Satan can disguise himself as an angel of light, then we have to ask, are we going through the person of Jesus Christ? It says, maybe you can tell me where the verse is, that anyone that does not acknowledge that Jesus Christ came in the flesh to die yeah. for our sins, that that's not, that messenger is not from God. It's a false message. So right. they have to have, they have to know who Jesus is, that he is the son of God who came to earth to die for our sins. He was a hundred percent God, a hundred percent man. I can't explain that, but that was the only way that we could have our sins paid for because a person can't pay for their own sin. Only God can make that way through the second heaven directly into the throne of grace. So it has to come through Jesus Christ and glorify Jesus Christ. Yes. And, and tied into that, Tony, like one simple principle uh, tied into that, that's always good to remember is Jesus over and over said, I only do what I see the father doing. So Jesus was absolutely committed to surrendering his will to the father to say, this isn't about what is best for me, what is expedient for me, what I like to do, what gives me the most attention, what I'm best at. It was never that. It was whatever I see the Father is doing, that's what I want to do. So people that, and many of us can see that someone likes the attention on themselves. They like to present things in such a way that it makes them look good. Now, I'm not saying that's always wrong, but the general principle of Christianity and following Jesus is, hey, you want to make a difference. You want to be salt and light in the world. You want to be able to do things that draw people to the light, to draw people to the goodness of God. But it's always about what God is asking you to do and surrendering your will and your heart and your mind and your body and your resources to what you sense the Lord is asking you to do. So when people go off on their own or decide this is what I want or this is what I'm going to do, and they make it more about themselves, that's always a caution. Yeah, and every cult that I am familiar with, it there's lots of secrets, lots of control. That's good, right. Mm -hmm. 
one person speaks for God and nobody else has, you know, their own connection to the Lord. They always go, have to go through that person. And it usually ends up with some kind of weird sexual stuff, immorality, incest, uh, child abuse. For whatever reason, once you open the door to all that control and focus on a human being, it seems like it is always accompanying accompanied by sexual sin, lots mm. of secrets, lots of control. Those are cults. And so they can call themselves Christian. They can have famous leaders. Um, if you're old enough to remember Jim Jones, he took, I think he started off okay, but it started to be about him. And everybody listened to him and there was no room for independent thought. So we want to be in submission to Jesus Christ first. Added to that the scripture is so clear throughout the New Testament that the goal is that every believer becomes mature. Every believer becomes the most complete, full person they can be. So those people in leadership are committed to helping everybody become the most full, complete person they can be. They're not saying, look at me, look at my leadership, look at what I can do. It is important that we have leaders and teachers and people who know how to direct other people and encourage them forward. But the whole goal is always that everybody is working together. Everybody is just as important as everybody else. And, and this, so that's the sign of a leader, which Jesus said, I wash my feet. I'm telling you to wash the feet of other people. This is about encouraging and building up everybody that everybody can reach that same place. Yeah. And this is different from self-actualization, which is be the best you can be. It's different from that. Again, the, that focuses on me, what I want, what makes me feel good. Yeah. And that's nice. We're growing in our, our personal connection to the Lord. We're building in our ability to use our gifts to abide in the Lord's presence, to be empowered by the spirit more and more, less and less by the negative things in our soul. And yeah. I like I like the verse in the Hebrews five fourteen. Well, let's start with twelve. For even though by this time you ought to be teaching others, you actually need someone to teach you over again the very first principles of God's word. You have come to need milk, not solid food. So most people are satisfied to stay at that basic elemental teaching like, yes, I have Jesus as my savior, but that's the beginning. It says everyone who continues to feed on milk, which are the basics in scripture, is obviously inexperienced and unskilled in the doctrine of righteousness, of conformity to the divine will in purpose, thought, and action. So again, the whole being is engaged and he is a mere infant, not able to talk yet. So we can be spiritually immature, even if we've been a Christian for 40 years. Yeah. We need to be growing. And then it says solid food is for full grown men or women, for those whose senses and mental faculties. So again, this is, an, this is that interplay between the soul and the spirit. 
trained by practice to discriminate and distinguish between what is morally good and noble and what is evil and contrary to divine or human law. So it mm -hmm. takes maturity to tell the difference. Yes, a sure trend, does. A trend that is popular, but not based in the truth of God's word. It's not in spirit and in truth. It might feel good. It might be popular. It might be trendy, but it's a delusion. You could say it comes out of that second heaven. It does not come from the throne of God. Well, I, I again, those are all really good principles. Uh, and that's a really good passage. One other passage that I memorized many years ago, because I like to remind myself if I'm struggling with some thought or idea and thinking, Lord, was this you that just told me that? That I go back to James 3.17 and it says, the wisdom that comes from above, it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's reasonable, it is full of mercy and good fruit, it is unwavering and it is without hypocrisy. Now, that doesn't mean that the word that comes from the Lord isn't at times firm or assertive, but all of those characteristics is it's meant to bring forth something that is good and fruitful. And his first approach is always like it says in Romans 2.4, it's his kindness that leads us to change our mind to see what is true. So the Lord is always out to love us to be kind, to be to be gentle, to always be consistent with who he is. And so as long as I'm walking with him regularly, he doesn't, so to speak, just like a child with their parent. If they're obeying the parent, the parent doesn't have to raise their voice very often, just says, hey, we're going to do this, or you need to be doing this. And the child's like, okay. So that yeah. voice, the wisdom, yeah. go ahead. If you're holding, if you think about the child and the parent, if you're holding the hand of your parent, and that is your intention to hold their hand, but you start to get distracted and wander off, you'll only get so far and then you'll know, oh, I'm, you know, the parent will just nudge gently, like come a little, come yeah, back a little bit. It's not, right. <laughs> it's not mean, it's not harsh, it's not rough. And so as long as you want to follow God and you're reading his word, he doesn't have to correct you with, you know, a paddle. It's just like you'll sense, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't do that. Or, wow, I shouldn't have said that and, you know, confess it. So mm -hmm. this, what suggestions would you give about how to discern a false teaching or a false philosophy that is embedded in the culture mm. or even in a church that isn't legalism, but is a deception? So I think some of the things that we've said consistently about the basics of what we know to be true, if what is being taught aligns with scripture, if uh, the person who is leading this particular movement, who are they? What is their history? What effect have they had on people? Uh, I would say those things all matter as well as the things that, as it says, test yourself. What does that sense like to you? Because you can go into the heavenly realm yourself, mm -hmm. into the presence of the Lord and bring your concerns. 
And often the spirit can speak to you when you're there bringing your concerns. The spirit can give you a sense of peace or a, spent, or a sense of discomfort about those things that you were bringing. So those are my initial thoughts about that, Tony. What are yours? Um, I think the clearest question you can ask is, who is Jesus Christ? And if they say he's the son of God, I would say, well, what does that mean? Say, well, he's the son of God. Well, Jesus said, I and the father are one. And in Genesis 1, that creation, mm. it said, let us make man in his own, in our own image. So Jesus has always been there. He didn't start as the baby in Bethlehem. He is, uh, is that Isaiah 9? The, he yeah. is the eternal father. He is the prince of peace. That there isn't like Jesus and he's separate. The Holy Spirit, the father, Jesus Christ have always been and so if they want to say Jesus is the son of God, but he's not God, then that's a false teacher. And when they start to interpret scripture in a way that scripture does not say, but we, but if we don't know what the Bible says, then we're going to be right. easily deceived. We're going to be easily deceived. And your feelings, your feelings can lie just because you like somebody just because they're nice. That doesn't mean they're preaching the truth. You can like them as a person, but I don't know that I would absorb what they're teaching. There's one other thought that we haven't mentioned yet that I want to throw in about uh, testing the spirits and how do you know uh, if if what you're studying is true or pursuing, uh, telling the difference between spirit and your flesh, that uh, the scripture teaches that Jesus learned obedience through what he had suffered. That's right. That it makes it clear that consider all consider it all joy when you encounter various troubles, trials, difficulties, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So we know that there are some aspects of us becoming like Jesus, of becoming complete, becoming mature. That passage you read in Hebrews to become like that is going to require difficulty and challenges that seem bigger than us. So self-actualization always wants us to kind of like feel the best about ourselves and the fullest about ourselves. And sometimes self-actualization doesn't see the value in difficulties or challenges or trials. So the scripture does make it clear that if anyone's telling you that life should be easy or you shouldn't have problems or that uh, everything should just be coming to you, what you wish for, you should get. That is not consistent with a biblical message. It doesn't mean the Lord doesn't want us to prosper. The scripture says that he does. Jesus said he wants us to have life in abundance, but the path to get there is not easy. Yeah. So there is a discipline yes. that is required for maturity. But if we make excuses to stay the same, mm -hmm. if we resist the spirit of God, if we Timothy talks about seeking out right. teachers that tickle your ears, that tell you things that make you happy and make you feel good, but they're not helping you mature. They're not helping you grow. Then that's probably a deception. And maturity takes effort and it takes some discipline. And that verse in Timothy that says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So disciplines in and of themselves are not going to make you mature but you can't get there without them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky 
tricky line between discipline and legalism. Yeah. Uh -huh. But there is a difference. And one of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. So as we walk in the Lord, we can be our best selves, not dominated by the negative, messy things in our soul. We have the power to change, to grow, to walk in our purpose, to have a positive influence on other people, to use our spiritual gifts in a way that makes us happy and that helps other people find the path of life. So I think what's kind of interesting, Tony, is in these two uh, sessions that we have done, we've tried to do a whole discipleship sort of training on something that really is a very complex and in-depth study. And so we wouldn't want people to think we've covered everything, but I do feel good about the, the principles that we have put out there to help people understand, hey, pursuing the development of your spirit is worthwhile and it is absolutely key to living a victorious Christian life. And there will be challenges and you will, will have to commit yourself to it and the training of it and the discipline of it and the personal study. But you can't depend on anybody else to really do this for you, although others are there to help you. But it's something that you choose to commit to. And the fullness of who God created you to be is dependent on you finding that. But your book is on Amazon, Awakening to the Goodness of God. Yes. So Vince, I'm going to ask you to pray for us that each okay. of us would be discerning and be maturing and growing in the gift God has given us. Okay, so Lord, uh, Tony wrote a book called Sheep Hear Your Voice. And it was because she felt so strongly that it is important that people be able to develop their spirit and hear spirit to spirit communication and the goodness of God and the truth of God, and the direction of God. And so we pray the development of each person who is listening to us even now, that that gift, that that eternity that has been placed in their heart would be set into flame and burst forth, and in response to you, come fully alive. That the fullness of who this person is, body, soul, and spirit, be found and then be developed and be disciplined and come forward. Like your word says, the earth itself in Romans 8 says, it is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to show up because the earth is groaning for the fullness, Lord, of your kingdom to come to the earth. So may the individual gifts of each person and the spirit to spirit communion and communication and activation of each person and the discerning of truth from deception, from spirit and Holy Spirit. May the fullness of that over every believer come forward and be protected. And may you bless these pursuits in the name of Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, Vince, thanks for your input today. Thanks for your help and your insights and your encouragement to me on a day-to-day -day basis when I wake up in a very bad mood. <laughs> the same feelings here. I enjoyed being with you and finding this helpful uh, just for me to rehearse these things, but knowing that it will bless those who listen, Tony. Okay. Well, this is Dr. Tony Cooper. My brother, Vince Didato has joined us. 
This is Life Without Baggage. And if this has helped you, please share it with a friend. Bye.